Help us, Lord. In our infirmities, in our weaknesses, you are our strength. Speak, Father, for in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Remember Saturdays, we were looking at the works of faith and we were looking at the Shunammite woman. In First Kings chapter 4 and verse 10, Second Kings chapter 4 and verse 10, we saw this lady. She had perception. She saw a man of God. She saw a need over there. She met that need. And she started, every time he passed by, he started coming there to eat. And then she thought, told her husband, let us make an upper room on the wall. Let us put a bed for him there, a table, a chair, a lampstand. So it will be, whenever he comes to us, he can turn in there. And that's where we had started weeks back because it's a prophetic because she's an unnamed woman who's highly esteemed because of her faith and what God does for her and even resurrects her child which had died. So it's a picture of a prophetic picture of how we prepare a place for God in our lives. God wants to reside in us. But what is the prophetic picture over there? That first the room should be in a very visible place. It's not in the basement, it is not at the back, it's at the top of the house. That we are not ashamed of our faith. He said, if you're ashamed of me, I will be ashamed of you. Okay? So we are not ashamed of him. Okay? And that there will be a price to pay in the world when we are not ashamed of him. Because know this, the world hates us because of Christ. They don't hate us, they hate Christ. So if we hide Christ, they will love us. We show Christ, they are not going to be very, very, not all parts of Christ, but certain factors of Christ, when they know that he's, he, they like Jesus the healer, they like Jesus the deliverer, Jesus the one who blesses, but when they say Jesus is the one who saves, and only he can save, that's when they get upset. So be prepared for that. And then we saw four items that is put, and we saw the symbolic meaning, the prophetic meaning of each of these things. The first thing, the order, like I said, that's not the normal order in a house, but in this spiritual order, yes, the first is bed, which represents rest. We enter into God's rest, and then we fellowship with him. The table is not primarily about eating, it's about fellowship. God seats his children at his table. We fellowship with him. And we saw about chair. The last Saturday we saw the chair is we are seated with Christ, or who is seated on the chair, chair person, the one who is seated on the chair, has authority, he reigns. What is reigning over your life? This was the three we looked. Today we'll go to the fourth one. And uh, hopefully, I mean, we can we cannot look at the fourth one in one Saturday, but we'll try as much as we can. Because that's the most, uh, the most important one. Because you enter into a room, let us say you enter into a room at night. If the lamp is not there, you don't see any of the other stuff that is there. It's just a dark room. Okay, you need light. So the fourth thing that is kept over there is a lampstand. So if the bed stands for rest, and the table stands for fellowship, and the chair stands for position, authority, and instruction. Remember, you need to be seated, at, seated to hear. If you are tense and walking around, God cannot teach you. And that is a problem. Jesus is teaching in a house. There is two sisters, and one is agitated, so she cannot be taught. The other is seated at his feet, 
and she can be taught. And he, that one thing will not be taken away from Mary. So seating, being seated at the chair is also a position where you receive instruction. And it is a spiritual position. A lot of people do not receive instruction because though they are seated physically, they are restless in their heart. They are all over the place. Mind is wandering and they, instead of listening, they are struggling to gather their thoughts and their heart and their mind to be focused on what God is trying to speak through a human vessel. So today also, please don't let your mind wander. So we come to the lampstand. So today when we go to the lampstand, let's read from Exodus chapter 25 and verses 31 to 40. So that is where the lampstand is introduced to us in history. You shall also make a lampstand of pure gold. The lampstand shall be of hammered work. Its shaft, its branches, its bowls, its ornamental knobs, and the flower shall be of one piece. And the six branches shall come out of its sides, three branches of the lampstand off to one side, three branches of the lampstand out on the other side. Three bowls shall be made like almond blossoms on one branch with an ornamental knob and a flower. And three bowls like Almond blossoms on the other branch with an ornamental knob and a flower. So for the six branches that come out of the lampstand. On the lampstand itself, four bowls shall be made like almond blossoms, each with its ornamental knob and flower. There shall be a knob under the first two branches of the same, a knob under the second two branches of the same, and a knob under the third two branches of the same, according to the six branches that extend from the lampstand. Their knobs and their branches shall be of one piece. All of it shall be one hammered piece of pure gold. You shall make seven lamps for it. They shall arrange its lamps so they give light in front of it. Its wick, trimmers and their tray shall be of pure gold. It shall be made of a talent of pure gold with all these utensils. And see to it, you make them according to the pattern which was shown you on the mountain. The pattern was shown on the mountain. In those 40 days, he was in the mountain. He had a divine vision. He was shown exactly what is there in heaven and says, you shall be. It may be a smaller copy, but it has to be an exact copy. Okay, So we look at the lampstand over there. So the tabernacle exists in heaven. The, the real tabernacle exists in heaven. Okay, So in the same way, there is a true thing and there is a copy. The copies are just shadows. They are not really, really authentic. But when your physical copy is being made, you can make it as true as possible to a physical copy. But when it is a spiritual copy, that's basically what God is doing. Jesus is the real picture over there, the real person in heaven. And he's trying to transform us from within day by day so that we become an exact copy of him by the time we reach heaven. That's the work of salvation. So the tabernacle it's a picture of that. The tabernacle also, we know, symbolically represents each one of us because we are the temple of the living God and it has three parts. So all those significance. But today we are looking at the, the lampstand. So if you look at the tabernacle, you know the you came from outside through the door into the courtyard. And Jesus is the door, right? And then you have a brazen altar over there which represents the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And after that, you have a labor of water by which you purify after you are sealed with the washing of the water. And then, but in the outer courts, remember, you have the protective walls of salvation, but still you are in the outer courts. It's not a safe place to be. It's not a safe 
placed with. After that is the holy place. That is where the well, that is where the lamp stand is. There are three things over there, but we are looking at the lamp stand alone because it, it we need to understand what it means for us personally. The commitment needed to enter into the holy place. Please remember, okay? Everybody could not enter into that place. We couldn't just casually enter into that place. And there is a difference between the old covenant holy place and the new covenant holy place. The old covenant holy place, the holy place and the most holy place is divided by a very thick curtain. In the new covenant, the holy place and the most holy place have become one place. That is the difference. Meaning, our spirit and our soul have to ultimately become the same. Have to become one the human soul which God has given us and we receive from the spirit. That is what Romans 12 to us, the renewing of the mind until it becomes we understand the good, the acceptable and the perfect will of God so that the soul completely identifies with the spirit and not with the world anymore. Okay, That's where the division has been taken off. In the old covenant there was a division. In the new covenant the division has been taken off. Okay. So, in the lampstand or in the holy place, there is this lampstand. And if you know, if you if you have done your study or at least casual reading or a serious reading of the holy place, if you look inside, it was like all gold. It's smattered with gold. So when the priest enters over there where it is lighted, the whole thing is shining inside. And the light comes from there and it's reflected from every side. Okay? So it is, it's no artificial, it's no outside light there. It is the light from this, we call it menorah in Hebrew, the name of that lampstand is menorah. Okay? So like I said, in the new covenant, the lampstand, which is our soul, where we understand, and the holy place, the voice of God, they come together. They become one. Okay? With the, we can understand the commands of God with our understanding, reasoning. And then there is the voice of God that comes from the holy place. And it becomes one whole. So keep that in mind. The rule was that, the law was that light has to be there continually. It should not go out. It should not go out. And there were people dedicated to the task of seeing that it never went out. But you will see in time, the light goes out. In First Samuel chapter 3, verses 1 to 3, okay? When we don't do that, we don't. The priests are becoming careless. Now the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli. And the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no widespread revelation. It came to pass at that time. While Eli was lying down in his place, when his eyes had begun to grow so dim that he could not see, verse 3, and before the Lamb of God went out in the tabernacle of the Lord where the ark of God was. Just to go out to go out. You know why? Because the priesthood priesthood. And there is this little boy. I think he was very zealous about that light. 
when he was lying down there before it went out. And that is where God speaks. The priesthood becomes very, very casual about the things of God and the light goes out. And that's basically what has happened to us. We, we get very casual about the things of God, about the word of God, because the word of God is light. The entrance of his word brings light. We were very casual about it and we don't realize the light is going out. And the light from the world, which is false light, starts getting into our soul. Our soul gets, the soul of man gets flooded, not with the light of God, the light of God's word, it gets flooded with false light. You know why? Because we were not careful to see the light did not go out. If you go to 25 and verse 1, that is Exodus 31. Yeah, Exodus 25, 31. Unlike the other other, like you have the Ark of the Covenant and the Table of Shoebread, all these things, you will see in this no measurements are given. So nobody is very sure how big it is or how small it is. No measurements are given. Okay, no measurements are given. Why are no measurements given? Because there is no way you can measure the light of God. There's no way we can measure the light of God. It's impossible to measure the light of God. The first instruction it is given is that it shall be made of pure gold. Okay, it shall be made of pure gold. Nothing, nothing can be added to it. Okay, the word of God stands on its own. It's pure. It's pure. And if you look at Revelation chapter 1, and 12 to 13. Let's look. Let scripture reveal scripture. Then I turned to see the voice that spoke with me. And having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. In the midst of the seventh lampstands, one like the son of man, clothed with a garment down to the feet and girded about the chest with a golden band. There are seven lampstands. And Jesus is standing in its midst. Okay. Please remember. These are lampstands. Light is Jesus. Don't confuse one with the other. These are lampstands. This is not the light. The light is Jesus Christ. Jesus is standing over there. And you will see what are the lampstands. At the end of that, the Bible will say, Revelation 2, the churches are the lampstands. Yeah, got it? Chapter 2. Not chapter 2, chapter 1. Chapter 1 and verse 20. <coughs> one twenty. The mystery of the seven stars which you saw in my right hand, and the seven golden lampstands. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands which you saw are the seven churches. So we need to understand, what is this lampstand? It's a church. Okay, it is church. And what is the church supposed to be made of? Pure gold. The church, and individually, every part of the church, every in person that becomes part of the body of Christ, God says, you know what? It has to be ultimately be made of pure gold. Now, this is a physical picture, and there is a spiritual picture, and that's what in the book of Malachi, the Malachi and the prophet sees, the refiner comes, and he sits there as a refiner's fire, purging us, sanctifying us until we become pure gold. So understand why Moses was very clearly commanded, be careful that you don't put in your own Little to make it decorative and look different from what you have seen. It has to be exactly. 
So the church is the lampstand. Christ is the lamp. John 1 and verse 4, the Bible says, In him was life, and that life was the light of men. Okay? In us is life. Whose life? Our life, which is darkness. His life, which is light. Two choices. That's why we are called to us to walk by faith. Because only when you walk by faith, his life is manifested. When you walk by sight, our life is manifested. Our life is darkness. And darkness and the world is full of darkness and darkness and darkness get along well. But when it is light, his life, darkness doesn't like it. Okay? So it is entirely made of pure gold. Please understand that pure gold. Ultimately, Everybody who enters into heaven will be pure gold. Whatever stage you enter, there will be no copper or silver in you. It will be pure gold. Okay. Ephesians chapter 5 verses 25 to 27. The word of God says, this is what he will do. Husbands, love your wives. Christ loves his church. Just as Christ also loved the church, gave himself for her. For what? That he may sanctify, cleanse her with a washing of water by the word that he might present her to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. Okay, so this is a spiritual picture of what it means to be made of pure gold. Okay, that he will ultimately make it, whether you like it or not, if you are destined to be in heaven, you will become that. He will make you. You may enter as a child, but it will be a child which is pure gold. You enter as a young man, you will be a young man who is pure gold. You enter as a father or a mother, whatever terminology you want to use, it will be pure gold. There will be no copper or silver in you. The next thing when we go back over there, verse 31, okay, of pure gold. And the lampstand shall be of hammered work. And that's the work which we don't like. See, we like when the ornament, when you go to the jewelry shop in that light and the dark velvet background, we see the ornament, it looks so good. But we do not know what it went through to become that. It's not like today's machine cut ornaments. We are talking about the real old days, how they did it. What the goldsmith did first to get the impurities out of the gold. Put it through fire and fire and water, fire and fire. And then after that, he has to hammer it. Very carefully. He doesn't break it. He does it very, very carefully to mold it into this shape. And God says, that's exactly what I'm doing with all of you. Right. We don't want to be hammered. We just want to, like, we want a miracle that in one day we are born again, next day we become an ornament. God says, it doesn't work like that. When God's own son came, he was hammered. He was hammered. He had to go through all the trials and the testings so that he could become the model for all of us. And if we go through that same path, God says yes. Okay, So we have to share. That is what it means to share in the sufferings of Christ Jesus. Not the cross. None of us will go through that. If you go through that, it is just you just die as a martyr out of your death. Redemption does not come. So there is one thing which is different from his death, from the death of all the others, from the death, they were martyred. But he was not martyred. He was handed over deliberately by the will of God so that it's his death would bring redemption. 
So please look out over there. It is hammered work. It is hammered work. Its shaft, its branches, its bowls. We'll come back to that. The ornamental knobs, flowers shall be. Third thing you see, it's one piece. It is one piece. You cannot, like today's everything can be unscrewed, packed and taken away. Okay, everything. But this is one piece. It is not put in together. It is one piece. What does it mean? Ephesians chapter 4 and verses 1 to 4. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love. Why? Endeavoring to keep the unity of, in the bond of peace, because there is one body, one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling. There is no two bodies. There is no two spirits. It's not two faiths. It's not two hopes. It's all one. Therefore, the whole thing is hammered, pure gold, hammered into one piece. Okay. So when we are going through our, see, the goldsmiths, like I said, the goldsmith, when he's, let us say he takes a chunk of gold. Okay. Let us say he's making a ring, a bracelet, and a earring. Or to a pair of earrings he's making. How he shapes each one of them is not the same. It's not the same. Okay, it's different. Though it is made from the same piece of gold, it is different. So the pressure he applies and the work he does on them is not the same. In the same way, we are all not the same, but we are all part from the same chunk. Okay, so he's shaping us all into different things. So the pressure he puts upon us, the pressure he puts on somebody else, we may have common experiences, but ultimately our experiences are all different. Because, you know, he's not doing a cloning job. Okay, we are all one, yet we are all different. Okay, this is unity in diversity, not the way the world does. The world does. Okay. And the issue is, the world doesn't want diversity. The world wants us all to be look like the same. Okay. And that's, a, that's the issue when we get, we get, that's why fashions work. That's why fashion, certain things, you know, it will catch and like, before you know, everybody is on it. Everybody is on it. You know, we, we realize, you know, it is the way the world is framed. But God doesn't do stuff like that. No two people. That's why God has made us. We are all humans. Absolutely different. No two irises match. No two fingerprints match. We are so different. Yet, if you look at it, we are all part of the same body. So the thing is that hammered into one piece. Why? The unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. One body, one spirit, one faith, one hope. Okay? Understand, because the lampstand has great significance in, in the, in the old covenant and in the new covenant. When you go back to Exodus, okay, you, it has shafts, it has branches, it has bowls, and it has ornamental knobs and flowers. They shall be all of one piece. Come further down. Yeah. Yeah, come, same thing, come down. Okay. Six branches shall come out of the sides. 
three branches on the one side and three branches of the lampstand on the other side. Uh, Sammy, can I have the picture over there? Do you have it? Yeah. So that children are sitting over there even if they understand they like pictures. Bigger children also. Yeah, okay. This is the menorah. If you look at it, there are three branches onto one side, three branches onto the side, and it is a shaft in the middle. That is what it's talking about, the shaft. Okay, there's a shaft in the middle, and these branches are connected to that. So ultimately at the top you will see it is not six, it is seven lamps. Okay, three branches on one side, three branches on one side, and you will see the, it is all one piece, but connected to the shaft in the middle. The shaft in the middle is Jesus Christ. In John 15, verse 5, he said, I am the wine. You are the branches. You see, when the Israelites did these things for centuries, they never understood. See, they practiced in the physical, never understood this was all symbolic about the prophetic about the church. And that is why we do not ignore the old covenant. We study the old covenant because in the old covenant, everything is okay? The old covenant, what is there, is hidden. The prophecy about the church, Christ and his bride. So Jesus says, I am the wine. You are the branches. Okay. So the shaft, the big shaft to which this is connected is Jesus Christ. Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 11 and verse 1. Then 11.10. There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse and a branch shall grow out of his roots. Okay? The house of David is practically gone. It is gone. It's like Israel is gone into captivity and everything. Then suddenly out of nowhere a branch shaft rises. That is Jesus Christ. Okay? It comes. And then the whole church will grow out of him. Connected to him. It's one piece. You cannot be detached from him. You are not separate. Okay? When you are what you call crafted, you become part of it. Okay? It is one piece. And verse 10, in that day there shall be a root of Jesse who shall stand as a banner to the people for the Gentiles shall seek him and his resting place shall be glorious. Isaiah 4 and verse 2. So we identify the shaft. Okay, the six branches, we are part of it, but this is the shaft. In that day the branch of the Lord shall be beautiful and glorious. Okay, that is Jesus. Jeremiah 23 and verse 5. And Zechariah 6 and verse 12. Oh, as usual. Maybe it's 28.5. Huh? It's Jeremiah. Oh, you went to Isaiah. Okay. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord. I will raise to David a branch of righteousness. Okay. So you remember the shaft to which everything is connected is a branch of righteousness. And Zechariah 6 and verse 12. Chapter 6, verse 12. Speak to him, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, saying, Behold the man whose name is the branch. <laughs> okay. Behold the man whose name is the branch. From this place he shall branch out and he shall build the temple of the Lord. Okay. Now I want to show you something because KJ, in KJV, when it translates, it tries to be more understanding, but sometimes we miss the meaning. If you go to 2531, if you go to KJV, you will see it is interested. Exodus 2531. 
You shall also make lamps. Yeah. Thou shall make a candlestick of pure gold of beaten work shall the candles. Ah, I like that. Hammering and beaten work. Okay. What does it say after that? His shaft. His shaft. <laughs> and his branches, his bowls, his knobs, his flower shall be of the same. It is his. It is his. Okay. It is Jesus. Okay. It is Jesus. Okay. So remember, Jesus is the light of the world. And once we are born again and he comes to live in us, the Bible says we are the light of the world. Okay. If he's not there in us, we are not the light of the world. If he's in us, his life becomes the light of the world. This is the great mystery. Okay, in Ephesians 5, verse 32, Paul, when talking about marriage, husband and wife, he says the great mystery. What is it? This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. If Jesus is the light of the world, how can I be the light of the world? How is it possible? Because Christ says they are no longer two, they are one. Okay, so there is a shaft, there are six branches, yet they are not different, they are one. One piece, pure gold, hammered, and one piece. So understand that picture. So there is trials and testing, the hammering, the beaten work. Okay. How do we become one? Romans 8, verse 17 to 18. If children then heirs, heirs of God, join heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we also may be glorified. For I consider the sufferings of this present time. What is this? The hammering. The hammering of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory. See, when they were doing it, nobody saw it. It's only when it is brought into the holy place, they see, but they, nobody saw any hammering. It's like the way the, in the quarry, the stones were made for Solomon's temple. In the same way, it's not the tabernacle was constructed in the holy place, they're sitting and hammering. No, it is somewhere else. It's all being done. But when it comes to the holy place, what you see is one piece. One piece, okay? One day, the Christ and his bride will be revealed, and they will be one. One. But for the bride to become one, okay? With Christ, she goes through the hammering. Okay, she goes through trials and testing from which we back away. Okay, in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 10, that is exactly what Paul was talking about, right? <clears throat> that I might know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. See, there's a difference between my sufferings and his sufferings. If I am a partaker of his sufferings, I am being hammered. If I am suffering for my own mistakes, he says, what good is that? <laughs> you deserve it. <laughs> okay, you deserve it. So that's what he says, I want to partake of his suffering. Okay, in his case, he suffered, he died, he rose again. In our case, he says, he rose again, I give you that power. Because without that power, you cannot partake of his sufferings. It is not possible to partake of his sufferings. Hebrews 5 and verse 8. And when we go through that hammering process, what happens as he went through that hammering process. Though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which we suffered. And verse 9, at the end, what did he become? Verse 9, and having been perfected. Okay, If any Christian ever thinks that he will be made perfect without partaking of the sufferings of Christ, there is no such equation in heaven. It is not possible. It's impossible. 
you will not be. You cannot. You're missing out on eternity. I'm not saying you will not be saved. You will not be sanctified. You will not be glorified. Okay? So even he had to learn obedience through the things which he suffered. And that's as he learned, he was made perfect. And that's what the Bible is talking about. We are made perfect only if we share in his sufferings. Why? Because adversity, tribulation will actually reveal who we are. Is it me or Christ? It will reveal who we are. In Revelation chapter 1, verse 9 and 10, I, John, both your brother and companion in tribulation and kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ was on the island. Okay, that's what made him. Okay, now we want revelation. We have the book of Revelation. But where did the book of Revelation come from? Because he was hammered. He was hammered. If you turn to verse 19, right? Verse 19. Write these things which you have seen, the things which are, and the things which will take place after this. If he wasn't hammered like that, he would not have been able to see. Even if we see, we don't understand. It's not that God cannot show us. God can show us. No? Like there is, let us say, age-wise, there is Sarah sitting over here. There is Abigail sitting over here. And there are bigger kids sitting over here. Bigger people sitting over here. You know, If we take, let us say, a 2,000 rupee note, the highest denomination, and show it. What she sees and what she sees and what you see are different. It's the same note. If you ask her what it is, she will say money. What is its real value? What all you can do with it? She, dollhouse. <laughs> okay. Abigail may think more and say maybe books. We don't know. Okay. But what will each one of her look at it and we will see it differently. But are you not all seeing the same thing? You know, this is the issue. Even John the Apostle could not be shown revelation because he was not yet ready. Joseph could not be released to rule until God thought he was ready. And took 13 years of hammering before he was ready. In heaven, what are we going to do? Those who overcome us are going to reign. But to reign, you need to be hammered over here before you can reign. And that's what we struggle. That's what we struggle. Okay, so we need to understand what the lampstand means over there. Because we want revelation without being hammered. Okay. So the main shaft is Jesus Christ. The six branches, three on one side, and uh, is us. And then we look at verse 31, you will see there are three items over there. Right? Three items over there. You have the, the, the bowls, the ornamental knobs, and the flowers. Three things over there. You will see, I mean, this whole thing, 25 and 31 to verse 40 is full of numbers. And in that numbers, because Bible has numbers and numbers symbolize certain things in the Bible, in that numbers, so many things come in. We, we can't look at all of that today, but if you'll see, there are three things over there because three represents God, the Trinity. Okay, three represents God. And if you look at verse 33, one thing is mentioned in particular. Okay, these three bowls shall be made like what? Almond blossoms. So almond is brought over there. It could have been fig. He didn't bring fig. 
could have been any other thing, but almond is brought over there. So we need to understand. Again, like I said, you want to interpret stuff like this in the Bible, you have to use the Bible alone. <coughs> you cannot go outside Bible, it becomes presumption. We have to be very careful about interpreting prophetic pictures like this, because the issue is that you can take other parts of scripture, apply your experiences, God is speaking to me. But when it comes to pictures like this, you have to use scripture to interpret scripture. So almond is brought over there. okay? And we will see in Numbers chapter 17 and verse 8, <coughs> we have the same picture, almost practically the same picture coming over there when there was contention over Aaron. There are 12 rods from 12 leaders of the tribes that put before the Ark of the Testimony. Next day morning when they came, it came. Aaron, the rod of Aaron of the house of Levi had sprouted, put forth buds, produced blossoms, and yielded ripe almonds. Okay? It seems to be similar to what is happening over there. So what, is, what does this represent? The rod of Aaron that budded, blossomed, and brought forth fruit. What does it represent? It represents the resurrection power of God. First manifested in Jesus Christ, he who died was raised up, came back to life. And that is exactly what happens to everyone who believes in Jesus Christ. We come back to life. So the first thing that we see over there, almond represents the resurrection life of Jesus Christ. Okay, the resurrection. Meaning, what does that, what does it really mean? It really means that, unless, this is the issue with Nicodemus. Nicodemus comes there and Jesus is talking to him something which all of us understand very easily. You must be born again. Now, if we have to tell you, we say, yeah, you need to be born again. Everyone will be a theologian on, yeah, you need to be born again. And we know what it is. We know how to take a Bible study also on that. But Nicodemus does not understand. He does not understand. Okay. He does not understand. Because he does not understand resurrection. Therefore, he does not understand so you need to realize these things in the old covenant, though it happened in the physical realm for them, they never understood its spiritual application, that it was meant for another time, another season, and another generation for the church. So the first picture of the almond is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You are basically when we are born again, we are resurrected. We were dead in our trespasses. Dead in our tra- as far as God was concerned, He looked out to all of us, we were dead. Like the prodigal son's father says, my son was dead. Now he's alive. We may be the smartest, coolest dude around with everything, but it's dead men walking. Dead women walking. We are dead. Okay? But here, what happens when you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, we come back to life. Like Aaron's rod the previous night when you just put, they were all dead sticks. <laughs> all dead, cut dead. The next morning when they came, one rod alone had come back to life. Budded, blossomed, with fruit. Okay, three stages of it. And that's what God is talking about. When we are born again, life has come. We have to bud, we have to blossom, we have to bring forth fruit for His glory. Okay, it's not that you are born again today, tomorrow you produce fruit. No. But there is this process you have to go through. That's the first thing that we see over there, the almond. The second thing about the almond is in Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 11 to 12. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Jeremiah, what do you see? And I said, I see a branch of an almond tree. The Lord said to me, you have seen well, for I am ready to perform my word. Almond in Hebrew also means awakening or revelation. 
The second thing about the almond is that you not only you are born again, you have the resurrection power, you have now revelation. You are able to see what God is telling you. Okay, If you don't see what God is trying to tell you, then he will not keep it in your life. You see correctly. I am watching to see that my word is fulfilled. We are not doing Bible study, though we are doing Bible study. Okay, Every meeting, no. Either God has speaking something to you or reiterating something that he has spoken to you. You have to hold on to it because God is watching over the word to perform it in your life. But if you let it go, it is not that his word failed you. You failed the word. I'm watching over my word to perform it. Like I said, it may take years. <laughs> Don't try shortcuts and like Abraham did. God had spoken to him. You're blessed. And all nations will be blessed. He just had to wait. God came and made a covenant too with him. And still he goofed up. And he had to wait another 13 years. So you can't blame God. The word was there. It was already given. It will come to pass. Like in Cake's case of Jesus' birth, it took 600 years. But it was not talking to a man. It was talking to the world. So 600 years, God waited and the virgin gave birth. So that's what God is talking about. One is the resurrection. The other is the awakening. Okay. So we need to look. Look at these things. If the upper room is my soul, it's me, the person, upper room, where I have making space, making room for God to come in. And I'm allowing him to come in. And I have rest. I have fellowship. And I understand instruction. But all comes from the lamp. All comes from the lamp. And the question is, do I have the resurrection power? Do I have? Am I experiencing the resurrection power? Second, am I able to see what God is showing me? God has said my word will not go void. It will achieve the purpose for which it is being sent. I watch over my word to perform it. You have seen well. And I will say I watch over my word. It's okay. I watch over my word to perform it. So God is saying, do you see? Are we all caught in the same worldly trap? Worldly visions, worldly dreams, worldly desires. Or are we able to see what God is showing us? So, you have the almond over there. Okay? <coughs> we saw in verse 33, the number 3, which is the number of God. Now we come to verse 37. Okay? Certain things I'm skipping. Maybe another day we will look at it. Verse 37. Okay? You shall make seven lamps for it, and they shall arrange its lamps so they give light in front of it. How many lamps? Seven. Again, seven is the number of God. Okay, you will see there is a shaft in the middle that makes it the seventh one. Three, three. Six is the number of man. Okay, seven is the number of God. It's only when the seventh one comes, we really understand. Revelation comes. Perfection comes. Completeness comes. You shall make seven lamps for it and they shall arrange its lamps so that they give light in front of it. Turn to Revelation chapter 1, verse 4, and then 4, 5. The seven lamps. What are these seven lamps? 1, 4. I, John, John, to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come, from the seven spirits who are before his throne. Okay, just shut the door. No? Yeah. Seven spirit, seven spirits, that are before God. Are you getting the picture? 
Okay, it doesn't mean God has seven spirit. It is the Holy Spirit, sevenfold Holy Spirit. We can put it across that way too. Sevenfold Holy Spirit. Okay. Now, if you in, if if you look at ourselves, you know, if you look at us, these were all written to the churches in Asia. But where are the churches in Asia now? If you look at it, it is all primarily written to the churches in Asia. But Asia forgot, <laughs> and Europe took it for two thousand years. Europe ran with the word. And they had to send missionaries to Asia. Though the letters were all written to the churches in Asia. That is what God is talking about. The first shall become the last. Now it is going to be a reverse. Now they have become last, we will become first. If they don't change their heart and their mind. Okay. You see, when these letters were all written, there was no USA. There was no church in USA. There was not one single saved man in USA. No apostle went to USA. They came to India, they went to China, they went to every other place. Nobody went to USA. You're getting the picture? But how history changed because the people to whom it was given and sent and written, if they don't value it, God will take it and give it to somebody else. Okay? So we, we look over there, we need to feel, oh wow, it was written to Asia and I'm from Asia, I'm an Asian. But where are we? Where are we? Okay, if you look back in the history of the church, Asia did not factor in anywhere until the 20th century. Okay, so that's what God is talking about. Seven, Zechariah. I mean, all through Revelation, there's so many places we talks about the sevenfold spirit. Okay, Zechariah four and verse ten. Four ten. For who has despised the day of small things? For these seven rejoice to see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. They are the eyes of the Lord which scan to and fro throughout the whole earth. What is that? It is the Holy Spirit. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was void, darkness covered, water covered, and the Spirit of God was hovering. It's the Spirit of God who scans. He's a God scanning machine. <laughs> he scans everything. Nothing is hidden. God's, the Word of God says, who can understand the heart of God? Who can? Only the Holy Spirit. He searches, and he searches God, he searches every man, woman. The eyes of God are roaming back to and forth to find somebody whose heart is stayed on him. So it is represented at seven eyes, meaning perfect vision. Nothing is missed by the Holy Spirit. Nothing. Absolutely nothing is missed by the Holy Spirit. So you have in the holy place a lamp, lampstand, with seven lamps over there, representing the Holy Spirit, the sevenfold. Now let us go to Isaiah chapter 11 and verses 1 and 2. Okay? And you will understand. There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse. A branch shall grow out of his roots. That is the shaft. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. What is that? That is the middle shaft. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. And it comes in pairs. The Spirit of wisdom, the Spirit of understanding, the Spirit of counsel, the spirit of might, the spirit of knowledge, and the spirit of the fear of God. These are the six branches. The middle shaft is the spirit of the Lord is upon. So Jesus comes and doesn't say the spirit of knowledge. of He says the spirit of the Lord has anointed me to set the captives free, though he is working in everything. Okay? So we need what we need. What we don't understand is that when we were given the Holy Spirit, it is there. All this is there. He did not just give us the spirit of knowledge. He gave us the Holy Spirit. He gave us the Holy Spirit. 
to understand what it means. We were given the Holy Spirit like Jesus was given the Holy Spirit. Okay, the sevenfold spirit we see here upon Jesus Christ. Okay, when Jesus walked on earth, the picture of the church. Jesus is the church when he's walking on the church. Okay, it is like Adam walking before he was made. Jesus is walking in, Adam is walking in the garden. Hey, where's your wife? He doesn't know, but she's in him. He has no clue. Okay, so if you ask, Jesus, where is the church? In me. So he's the picture of the church on earth. Okay, and if you see that in John chapter 3 and verse 34. Yeah, 334. For he whom God has sent speaks the words of God, for God does not give spirit by measure. Okay, meaning, think about, you take, yeah, you have it here, you take this bottle. Okay, this bottle. Imagine if it is possible to take this bottle, take the whole ocean and put it into it. Think about it. I mean, God can do it, we cannot. God can do it, God can do anything. Nothing is impossible. Is Never ever think, this is one of the fundamental things you need to think about. There are no impossibilities with God, except that he will not sin. He will not be tempted by evil, but all things are possible. Okay, This is one of the our major blocks is when we read the Bible, we are skeptics. Or we just take it as, yeah, it happened. It's not that happened. It's still the same. Okay, I will tell you, there are a lot of skeptics if you say, Jonah was swallowed by a whale. And he was in the bottom of the sheep for three days. They say it's not. It would be every scientific thing, this thing. But if you are a child of God, and if it was written the other way, the whale was swallowed by John, I will still believe it. Instead of Jonah was swallowed by the whale, it was written, the whale was swallowed by Jonah. I will believe it because God has written it. How is it possible? It is possible. Think about the Holy Spirit. The whole Spirit of God is contained in one man. The whole thing, without measure. And he's come in the flesh, just like us. He's no different than us. He's in the flesh. Meaning a flesh vessel, restricted flesh vessel. Let us say he was 6'3". Let us say he was 6'3", 6'4", tall man. But in the 6'3", figure was the fullness of God. How did the fullness of God come in? Because of the fullness of the Spirit. Fullness of the Holy Spirit. Okay, These are things which we have to look at it and believe. It was not that God was special, Jesus was special. No, if he was special, then we have no, no means. So he is special, we are not. God says, no, I gave you my same spirit. He came in the flesh, suffered in the flesh, died in the flesh, and rose by the spirit. He says, with you, I have given you a better beginning. <laughs> you are born by the spirit, I am filling with the spirit, and you have to, don't go through his way. Your death is not atonement. <laughs> you don't have to go through what he went through. So if you look at Jesus' life and my life, your life, we got a better deal. That's why we are not called conquerors. <laughs> we are called more than conquerors. He was the conqueror. He had to conquer. We don't have to conquer what he conquered. We are more than conqueror. Okay? So please understand. So Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit. Because the whole purpose of the holy of the lampstand. Please understand that the whole purpose of the lampstand is of no meaning if the Holy Spirit is not there, right? You can have all these gadgets over there, but if there is no power, <laughs> it is simply pointless. Jesus Himself functioned only in the Spirit. In the Spirit, He's. Entire life on earth was twofold. One, he put to death com- 
completely his flesh and lived completely only in the spirit though he was in the body okay that's why he says his life we cannot live because he came to make atonement he did not live in the flesh even for a second he put to death his flesh 24/7 and lived in the spirit so therefore the spirit could speak and reveal god through him okay zakariah chapter 4 verses 1 to 7 it's all there in this now the angel who talked with me came back and wakened me as a man who is wakened out of his sleep and he said to me what do you see so i said i am looking and there's a lampstand of solid gold with a bowl on top of it and on the stand seven lamps with seven pipes to the seven lamps he says hey, i see okay what are the picture what is basically god trying to tell he say, he's saying that you know if you believe if you do with the spirit this twofold work which my son did put to death the flesh and allow the spirit to operate in this sevenfold you too can be an overcomer is given to you god is not a respect of persons not that i love one son more than the others he says no i give it to all everybody have given everybody the same spirit have given everybody the same measure of faith and he says it depends upon how you believe and go for it so here it is i saw a lampstand of solid gold with a bowl on top of it on the stand seven lamps with seven pipes to the seven lamps two olive trees are by it one at the right of the bowl and the other at its left what is that you see like i said There's no point with all these things if there is no power. You can have the best equipment in the world, electrical, electronic equipment in the world, but to run it you need power. So you have this lampstand, seven full lampstand over there, but it it needs oil. If there is no oil, it's not going to burn. The fire will go out. You need oil. So to give it continual supply of oil, what is the picture over there? There are two olive trees. Yeah, verse three. Two. olive trees are by it what is the purpose of symbolic picture what is that they are forever supplying the oil that the oil does not run out and the fire does not go out okay and that's what god is saying he gives the spirit without measure is not a confusion he says you ask i will give you my spirit you will never ever run out of the holy spirit the question is only about asking if you evil fathers know how to give good things to your children how much more your father in heaven will give you holy, holy spirit. spirit how can we receive it's no it's a continuous receiving of the holy spirit what is happening because as you grow in the lord your capacity to receive the holy spirit is also increasing continually and that's why the picture is over there because what is ultimately what are we supposed to be jesus said i am the light of the world now you are born again you are the light of the world but if the light should not go out for the light not to go out what do you need you need oil continuous so in this old testament picture there are two olive trees continually supplying oil but for us it is not that we have been given the holy spirit without measure if you want it it is given to us without measure yeah verse uh, and i answered and spoke to the angel who talked with me saying what are these my lord the angel talked with me and answered and said to me do you not know what these are and i said no my lord poor man cannot understand it's an old covenant prophet he cannot understand the new covenant pictures it's a new covenant picture so he answered and said to me this is the word of the lord to zerubbabel 
Not by might, not by power, it is by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you shall become a plain. What is that great mountain? It's our flesh. What are you? What, what is the one who is fighting the work of God? No, work of God is, what is it? It's our flesh. People will sit here, listen to the word because some of you have to come two by two. They come, like Jesus said, they come. But once they go over there, I look in the camera morning till evening with feet on the table is watching cartoons. One hour here, word after that, 22 hours. You know what? Your issue is not hearing. My issue, your issue, none of us it is hearing. Our issue is our flesh. That is the mountain. And nobody is going to overcome the flesh with the flesh. That's never happened. That is why every religion fails. Because what does religion teach you? To kill the flesh with the flesh. And we have our Indian epics and all, no, go up there, do tapasya and all, come here and fall headlong. Because it simply does not work. Simply does not work. You cannot kill the flesh with the flesh. You need the spirit. That is why he's saying, this is the word of the Lord. It is not by your might. It is not by the, your power, which is the power of the flesh. Everything that we see in the world, except that was done by God through man and God's original creation and what was done through, by God through man, everything else is the work of flesh. And that's like Nebuchadnezzar. See. And God says, I will show you too. Okay. For, for a season, you shall see. Okay, what your pride has done. So all this is the works of flesh. And we pride in that. And that's why God, with one virus which cannot be seen with the naked eye, has brought this entire work of man down. And nobody knows what to do. It's simply God is saying, this is the work of flesh. The work of flesh. What has happened? IT offices are all empty. Massive structures. We used to talk about our cyber uh, cyber city and Hyderabad cyber cities, like any Singapore or U.S. city and all. Now it's a ghost town. Everybody is working from home. <laughs> so because there's nobody over there. What happened to all these guys who bought their Ferraris and other? Where are they going? They're going nowhere. He's <laughs> sitting in the garage gathering dust. One virus. <laughs> That's why God says he sits in the heaven and he laughs. Okay. Children who worked hard, 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 and the child who did not work hard, both passed. What a joke. What a joke. Those who burned the midnight oil, and the fellow who never opened his book, both have been passed by the government. You know what? One virus. What can flesh do? He says, it's not by might. It's not by power. It's through my Holy Spirit. Who are you, great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you shall become a plane. Okay? You are not saved by anything works. You are saved by grace. When you were saved by grace, he put the foundation stone, the cornerstone. That was Jesus Christ. But after that, the entire work is the work of the Holy Spirit. You cannot do anything. You can fast, but the Holy Spirit is not involved in your fast. Your fasting is starving. You may lose some weight. That's a good thing. But it's, it's only a, the good thing is for your body. It's not a good thing for your soul. The Holy Spirit has to come in your fasting. You can pray, but if you're not praying in the Spirit, if the Holy Spirit is not praying with you, it is just a waste of time. You can study the Word of God, but if the Holy Spirit does not speak, there's nothing you can do which God will accept unless it is done through the Spirit. Why? He showed it through His Son. He was born of the Spirit. He lived in the Spirit. When He died, He offered His life as a sacrifice through the Spirit. He was raised from the dead by the Spirit. When He came back, He taught the apostles through the Spirit. God will not accept anything. It is His Spirit that will do. You know, ultimately who we are, it's our Spirit that is who we are. That is why 
ultimately in a twinkling of an eye when Jesus comes. Because I told you there is no division between the soul and the spirit in the new covenant. We will be shown as we really are. That's who we are. It's not what we look like, no body and a body is irrelevant. So if you are underweight or overweight, don't worry about that. What matters is your like I said, we need to be lean in our body and fat in our soul. Fat in our soul. Instead, what happened to the children of Israel? They were fat in their body and lean in their soul. And God sent leanness into their souls. So they all died in the wilderness without possessing the promised land. So we have to look at real. I mean, you need to take care of your body. Don't misunderstand me. Especially in the time of this virus, which is mutating, going crazy, you need to be very, very careful. It is not like you get immunity. Because people who got it are getting it second time, third time, fourth time and all. So you need to be very, very careful. Wear your mask, which is the medical mask, not the other one. It doesn't stop the virus. And sanitize your hands if you go out. As far as possible, stay in. Government also has given you that option. Your company also has stay in. Sanitize your hands, stay out. And don't touch your nose and mouth if you're kind of sanitized. Simple thing, very simple thing, okay? But it works. It works. It works. Be very careful about it. Take these things, don't take these things lightly because it looks like the last day's pestilence which is prophesied. It is just going haywire. Haywire. Okay? So we need to be careful. That's why we are studying all these things. Why are we studying all these things? Because we know when all these things happen, lift up your heads for your redemption is near. But how can you lift up your heads if you do not know what even redemption is? What have you redeemed from? Do we understand what we are talking about? So God says, the cornerstone was put the day you believed. But the entire work is the work of grace, the work of the Holy Spirit, and he shall put forth what? The capstone, the finished work. And even again, what is the cry? Grace, grace. The beginning till the end. Okay, so it is a lampstand. It's a lampstand. So the symbolic prophetic picture, when they were looking at it, they did not understand. Israel never understood. Never, And you have to be very, very careful about it, even as a believer. Because the Bible says, even today, when Moses is read, there's a whale. And you need to ask yourself, when I read the Bible, is there a whale over my eyes? Am I able to see? Am I able to see? But when the Spirit of God comes in, the whale is lifted. Because where the Spirit is Lord, there is liberty. So don't casually read your Bible, because the Bible itself is judging us. Can we see or you cannot see? The Gentile sees nothing. The Yehudi, the Jew, sees partially through the wheel. Those who are born of God and who are walking in the Spirit see clearly. Not the clarity of God in the heavenly realm, but they see clearly. What is possible to see in this life, we see. And we see better and better and better as we go on. And it is that's why we carry a book. That's why Jesus said, I will not judge you. All judgment has been given to the Son. I will not judge you that day. He says, the words you heard will judge you that day. But for the word to judge us, the question is, are we able to see? So it's not a, it's not a, that's why, that's why the devil will put us to sleep when we are listening to the word. Will try to put us to sleep when we are trying to read the word because the devil knows if you get the picture of what the word is, what the word is, the light, the spirit of God is the light. He will show you, you are free. You're broken. You come out of his bondage. Because he just blinds your eyes. Let's continue. Okay? Zechariah 4, yeah, verse 1 to 7. Okay? Please understand. You have a lampstand. It has to be full of oil. Seven branches. It has to be with oil. But oil alone is not enough. There, is, there needs to be fire. 
there needs to be fire. What is the purpose of the oil? That is why the Holy Spirit is represented as oil and also as fire. You need fire. You know, the first fire in the tabernacle was lit from heaven. And after that, they were told, do not let it go out. Do not let it go out. Don't let it go out. But sometimes the fire goes out. People are very careless. You let the fire go out. Second Chronicles chapter 29, verses 1 to 8. Second Chronicles 29, verses 1 to 8. Hezekiah became king when he was 25 years old and he reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Abijah, the daughter of Zechariah. He did what was right in the sight of the Lord according to all that his father David had done. In the first year of his reign, in the first month, he opened the doors of the house of the Lord and repaired them. Okay, so he did first year. Think about it. What a, what a wonderful man, okay? He becomes king. The first thing he says, he becomes king. In the first month, he says, he opened the house of the Lord and repairs it, which was lying in ruins during his father's time. He didn't even wait two months or three months or one year or two years. Once you become king, the first thing you want to do is take a vacation. This guy is different. I mean, isn't that what, the minute you get a heavy paycheck, the first thing you want to take is a vacation. Here he on the says, let me repair the house of God. Think about it. If you got a real, real race and you got enough money after meeting all your needs, you got enough money to take a vacation, do you think, you know what, there is a special seminar taking place over there. It's going to be rigorous. It's a seven-day seminar, teaching from morning till evening. You know what, I'm going there. Simple, practical things which people I'm talking about. And this is what Hezekiah is doing. He's become king. First year, first month, what did he do? <laughs> Not repair my house. <laughs> repair the Lord's house. Open the doors, repair them. He brought the priests and the Levites, gathered them in the east square. And said to them, hear me, Levites. Now sanctify yourself. Sanctify the house of God, your fathers. Carry out the rubbish from the holy place. For your, our fathers have trespassed and done evil in the eyes of the Lord our God. They have forsaken him. Turn their faces away from the dwelling place of the Lord. Turn their backs on him. In verse 7, they have also shut up the doors of vestibule and put out the lamps. They put out the light. They put out the light. So you will see in Israel's history, there were so many generations and especially kings. And when they went wrong, what did they do? They put out the light. Just never supposed to be put out. And what happens, when you put out the light in the holy place, the rest of it becomes dark. Imagine if your soul is dark. That's your holy place. Your soul is dark. You don't see anything. You don't understand anything what is being said. You're not interested in anything. That's, you're not interested in God at all, but the soul is dark. They put out the lamp. Put out the light. And that was what was happening. The lamp was about to go out. About to go out during a lie. What is symbolic? This priesthood has taken the light out. They are not interested in the light. They are interested in the offerings. They are interested in the light. The light was about to go out and God calls Samuel. He's rekindling the light through a little child. He calls Samuel. Samuel, Samuel, Samuel. The light will start to flicker again, once again in Israel. And here you will see the light goes out. Second Timothy. Chapter 1, verse 5 to 7. One by one we'll read the word. When I call to you remembrance, the genuine faith that is in you, your faith is absolutely genuine. Faith is absolutely genuine. Meaning there's no question about your faith. The oil is pure. It's pure olive oil. Verse 6. 
But I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying. What is the fire has gone out? Fire has gone out. And why has fire gone out? Because of fear. Are a fearful people. That's what I said. You cannot afford to be fearful in the kingdom of God because what does fear do? It takes the fire off. It takes the fire off. And that's what is happening around the world. Virus is real. The pandemic is real. But what is the systems trying to do? They are trying to intimidate. Think back one year. The virus has only become more virulent. One year. They beat up everybody. They beat up everybody all around the streets. Get into your house, wear masks. Today the virus has become very virulent all over the country. They're gathering the masses for election. Tens and thousands and hundreds and thousands are gathering for religious festivals or this thing. What happened between one year? The virus has only become. You see, this is the whole thing. But what did they do? Intimidate. Intimidate, intimidate, intimidate. But basically what I'm saying is the whole world will intimidate you if you try to stand up for your faith. Stand up for faith. And you see in the Christian nations, okay, churches are changing vocabulary, everybody is changing, no, that uh, um, God is love. Love is God. So family means anything now. Two men, two women, one man, three women, three women, one man. Family means anything. And you try to say it is not, they will come after you. Gender. People were dismissed from work because her father was put in prison because he called his child by her known gender. And she complained. You know what's happening? Intimidation. Intimidation. And he's telling them, your, your faith is genuine. It's pure. But what happened to your fire? I think it's an ivy, or we'll say, fan back to flames. Fan back to flames. What has happened to your fire? What good is a lamb without light? You see, ultimately, at some level, I don't understand this, but ultimately, what is there? There is fire. There is fire. If there is no fire, there is no light. It's burning. It's no light. You need light, you need fire. What is the sun? A big mass of flames. Okay. Out of that which comes everything else. If there is no fire, there is no light. The lamp is good, wonderful, beaten, hammered into place, pure gold, one piece. That's Timothy. But no light. No light. I mean, all Timothy, Paul is saying, Timothy, the only good thing he can do is put you in a museum. People will come and observe and say, Kya What work? I wonder how long they took to hammer him into like this. Kya Look at it. It's perfect. One piece. But you know what? No life. No life. Okay? No life. And that's what the Bible is talking about. He says, it's because of the spirit of fear. And we have to. And the Bible says, in the last days, the hearts of men shall fail because of fear. Because of fear. And if fear comes in, what has happened? The light has gone out of the lamp. Okay? In Revelation chapter 2, verses 1 to 5. The first church. The lamp stand. The angel of the church at Ephesus write, These things say he holds the seven stars in his hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your labor. Your patience, you cannot bear with those who are evil. You have tested those who say they are apostles and not, have found them liars. You have persevered, have patience, have labored for my name's sake, have not become weary. Nevertheless, I have this against you, for you have left your first. He says, you're a mechanically perfect car. 
There's no fire. Lost a fire. Lost a fire. You see, if you look at the Germans used to make the best cars, but the Italians used to make the sports cars. Okay. If you look at the French team, the Brazil team, the Argentine team, and the German football team. German football team may win the World Cup, but nobody likes watching them because they are very mechanical. Very perfect. You can actually predetermine their moves. They are like a machine. Like a machine. He says, you're not church in Ephesus, you become a good machine. But you lost your fire. Now that's what happens to our religious life. You're so mecha- I mean, you can't find any fault with them. Do you pray? Yes. Do you wake up? Yes. Do you read your Bible? Yes. Do you fast? Yes. Are you in the church? Every time. Do you do your Bible study? Yes. I can show you the notes also. Do you pay your tithes? Everything. You can find one fault with them, but you also don't find any fire in them. And God says, you know what? Not acceptable. Where there is no fire, there is no light. There is no light. Okay. So we need to understand what God is talking about. Do you have fire? Do you radiate the life of Christ? That's what God is talking about. And in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 13 to 18, the mentor, the one who planted the church, is actually warning, which will come to pass in Revelation 2, but all things are exposed are made manifest by the light. He says, the light will expose. Therefore I say, awake you who asleep, arise from the dead. He is somewhere else and he knows, you know what, the church I established has gone to sleep. Fire has gone out. And Christ will give you light. See that you walk circumspectly, not as fools but as wise. And redeeming the time because the days are evil. Do not be unwise. Understand what the will of God is. Do not be drunk with wine. I'm hearing reports. I'm hearing reports. But on the other hand, be filled with the Holy Spirit. You know what? He's warning them. The warning is coming into pass in the book of Revelation. He's dead and gone, executed and gone. But God has to speak to that church. You were warned, you are at the, and if you, if you, if you go back to Revelation, we read till, uh, verse 5, no? Yeah. Remember therefore from where you have, repent and do thee, or else I will come to you quickly and what will I do? I'll remove your lampstand. Bati, Urgaya, I'll take your light off. I'll take the lampstand off. We'll take it off. He's telling the church. And he did. Church of Ephesus is gone. There's no church of Ephesus. There may be a church in Ephesus, but the church of Ephesus is gone. You know what? That's what he's talking about. I'll come and take the lampstand off. Okay? So we need to be careful about these things. Because remember, the foolish and the wise virgins. Foolish and the wise virgins. Okay? They had oil. They had oil. One set had oil. The other set did not have oil. The question is, when the shout came, they immediately took and they trimmed the wicks, which is there in Exodus 25. They have to have, so they had the trimmer ready, everything ready. But, they had run out of oil. There was no oil. And to church in Ephesus, Paul is warning, be continuously be filled with the Holy Spirit. What is Bible basically talking about? Let us not talk about the coming of the Lord. Before the coming of the Lord, there are many events. And it is already started. He says, this is the beginning of the labor pains, of sorrow pains. And the pestilence, let us be very clear about it. Nobody has experienced anything like this after the Second World War. Even in the Second World War, ask my mother and all, they were not even touched by the Second World War. 
nothing happened in this thing. So people who went through Second World War, even Switzerland in the middle of it was not touched by the Second World War. Okay, but this has touched everybody. So we are in the beginning of sorrows. Beginning of the sorrows. The question is, if you look, are you able to handle it and come out stronger? If you are not able to handle it and come out stronger and still be a witness and a testimony, that means you have run out of oil. When the hour of trouble came, you did not have oil. Now you are busy trying to buy it. You cannot buy it at the time of trouble. You need to have it. Prepare for the hour of trouble. That's why Jesus said, watch and pray. Watch and pray when the hour should not come to you unawares. You'll only get words. For a season, you may have a little peace. After that, it will get worse. Because if it is the labor pains, any mother who's had a baby will tell you, first is contractions, they get shorter and shorter and shorter and shorter. And when you know, the baby is coming. Yeah? It kills frequency, gets more and more and more and more. So, it started. We thought it was over. It came back with double the force. Double the force. After that will follow. Famine will follow. Earthquakes will follow. Volcano and all. Extinct volcanoes and all in one of those islands erupted. And you can see the entire city under the cloud and ash and everything. Things are happening all around us. But the question is, are we able to see? This is the beginning of sorrows. And appropriately prepare ourselves. Are we called like the troubles of this world, the cares of life? And therefore, the word is not able to speak to us. That's what God is talking about. And what happened? If you turn to Matthew chapter 25 and verse 8. 25 and verse 8. The foolish said to the wise, (coughs) Give us some of your oil for our lamps are going out. The lamps were going out. Fire was running out. Why? Because they ran out of oil going out. It's not by might. It is not by power. It's through my spirit. Okay? When the oil runs out, the mountain becomes bigger and bigger. This mountain is not going to go in any other way. Flesh will overpower us. Fear will overpower us. Whatever emotions will overpower us. And flesh is the mountain. We are not able to overcome it. That's what God is talking about. We will close soon. <clears throat> Turn to Zechariah chapter 4. We read chapter 4, right? Let me go back to the portion which we don't have to read it all over again. <coughs> we read from verses. Let's read from verse 8 onwards. We read 1 to 7. 8 to 14. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me saying, <coughs> The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this temple. His hand also shall finish. Zerubbabel is a type of Jesus Christ. He laid the foundation. He will finish it through the Spirit. Then you will know the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. For who has despised the day of small things? For the seven rejoice to see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. You know what the plumb line is? What the mason uses to see this is in alignment. Who, who rejoice? The Spirit of God. The seven. The Spirit of God rejoices to see Jesus checking out his church. Are you without blemish? Can I come to take you? Are you spotless? Are you perfectly aligned to my will? He's checking it out. Why is he delaying? He's delaying for this church to be ready. He will not come for an imperfect church. 
You will only come for a perfect church. So he spiritually, we do not know the plumb line is being set apart and seeing whether the church is ready. And we do not know who is part of the bride and who is not part of the bride. That is the problem. The problem is you may not be ready because you or I may not be ready because we are not part of the bride. But the bride may be getting herself ready. And one day in the twinkling of an eye, the bride is gone because she was ready. She's just gone and we are looking around and says, what is that? Our services are going regularly. Everything is, but the bride is gone. That's what I said. The danger is that most of the world doesn't even know there is an underground church around the world that exists, even in the city. Nobody sees. Does not even know. There are underground churches, even in the city. Nobody sees. Let me ask you this question. If the church, that church were to be taken and gone, how would we know? When it was there, we did not see it. How would we know? You wouldn't know. You wouldn't. You wouldn't even know. And that's why we have to be careful. Like the simple example I use, Titanic sank. And they said it hit the iceberg. And the problem is, if you look at the pictures, you can see the iceberg. The part of the iceberg which you see sunk the Titanic? No. What sunk the Titanic is the part of the iceberg you never saw, which is under the water. This world is going into chaos not because the church that is visible, it's a church that is invisible. It's a church where the world doesn't know. A church is fighting and hastening the coming of the Lord, crying out, Maranatha, come Lord, and Jesus is zealous for that church. It may be visible or it may be invisible. Jesus is and he is turning the whole events of the world to get her ready to take her home. So whatever we are involved in has to be part of the kingdom of God and we have to be part of the kingdom of God. So they rejoice to see the plumb line in the hands of Zerubbabel. They are the eyes of the Lord which scan to and fro throughout the whole earth. Then then I answered and said to him, what are these two olive trees at the right of the lamb and on his There are two olive trees I see. What are these? What are these two olive branches that drip into the receptacles of the two gold pies from the golden oil rain? It's falling, tuk, tuk, meaning the oil never runs out. The fire never goes out. Continuous supply. That is what Paul is saying. Do not be drunk with wine. Be continuously filled with the Holy Spirit. You want it, I will give it to you. He gives the Spirit without measure. You will never say, I ran out of the Spirit. You will only be able to say, I ran out of desire. I ran out of thirst. I ran out of hunger. All those thirsty come and drink. He will not say you can only drink this much. He says you will never thirst again. I will keep on giving you. Understand that. Then verse 13 and 14. Then he answered and said, Do you not know what these are? And I said, No, my Lord. He said, These are the two anointed ones who stand beside the Lord of the whole earth. Two anointed ones. Two witnesses. Symbolic picture and real picture. Let's go to the real picture. Revelation chapter 11. Verses 3 and 4. I will give power to my two witnesses. They will prophesy 1,260 days clothed in sackcloth. These are the two olive trees and the two lampstands standing before God of the earth. God says he will have two witnesses. Physically speaking, they could be either Elijah and Enoch. Elijah and Moses, the two schools, because Elijah and Moses appeared on the Mount of Transfiguration, but the other principle is that there are only two people who did not die in the Old Covenant and everybody is supposed to die once. Okay, so the two who did not die is Enoch and Elijah. So these two witnesses, physically speaking, can be Enoch and Elijah. And they stand before God and they have a 
continuous infilling of the Holy Spirit. And they will do works like, I mean, you cannot, you have to read chapter 11. You cannot go against them. You are in big trouble. And they will be killed and they will come back to life and people will run away from them in fear. But let's leave that aside. What is God basically talking about? God is talking about is that in the mouth of two or three witnesses, he says, I will always have a witness on earth, a set of people who are always filled with the Holy Spirit who will do my work. I will always have people who are hungry for me, hungry for my spirit, and I will constantly fill them. And they stand before God of how how, how is Elijah introduced to us in uh, yeah, how is he introduced? You see, this is, if it, this is Elijah, how is he introduced in First Kings? 17 words. How is he introduced to us? This is how he is introduced to humanity. Elijah the Shabite, or the inhabitants of Gilead, said to Ahab, Ask the Lord God of Israel before whom I stand. How is he able to stand before God? How can he stand? He's not, I'm standing before you. That is identity too. Identity one matters. We always want to do selfies with big people on earth. Elijah is not saying, Elijah is going to got a selfie with God. He says, I stand before him. He says, I stand before him. And the question is, how can you stand before God? It's only one way you can stand before God. Or if you are standing before God on earth, before God on earth. You look at the two applications. Before God on earth, that means you are filled with his spirit. Filled with your spirit. So when you open your mouth and you speak, you're not speaking man's words. You're speaking God's word. So he says, they shall not do nor reigns these years except at my word. Why? Your word? Yeah, my word is God's word. There's no Elijah here. Okay, he will, he will struggle with his flesh and all, but at this point there's no Elijah. It's God speaking. He's just a vessel. He's just a vessel. He says, at my word. He says, not at the Lord. He's not even coming and thus saith the Lord. He says, I am telling you. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Okay? And that's what God is talking about. That's what it all means. So, as we come to the close, we need oil. We need the lampstand in the first place. Pure gold, hammered into shape. Allow God to hammer you, like we've been looking at yesterday, you know, three causes. Is it sin? Is it ignorance? Or is righteousness? With righteousness is the hammering of God. Don't worry about it. Because God has spoken, it will come to pass. Until the word of God is proved, Joseph was hammered. I don't know how many of us would be able to survive the life of Joseph in the dungeon, yet never giving up, allowing it to shape him to be the man God wants him to be. Okay, so the fire is there, the oil is there, the lamp is there, unity is there. You have to work at all these things. Pure gold, one piece, and hammered. Right? And then it has to be filled with oil. Oil should never go out. Because the problem is if the oil comes down, the fire will become low. Understand that. So that's why you have two olive trees constantly dripping it. It's a prophetic picture. Tick, tick, tick. Meaning, it will never run out of oil. The oil is always maintained at that stage. You are always on fire for God. That's why I keep saying, don't lose your fire. Don't lose your fire. The worst thing, that's God's indictment of the last day's church. He tells Laodicea, either be hot or be cold, because you are lukewarm. You need to understand God hates lukewarm Christians. 
Dislike, not hates, the strong word. Dislikes lukewarm coffee. And we all know in this. Either you want hot coffee or a cold drink. Who wants lukewarm coffee? I mean, I mean, you just drain it. I mean, every time you take made coffee or tea and it is gone, either you put it in the microwave, heat it again, which I don't like. Second time tea heat, it doesn't matter. You put it in the drain. You don't drink lukewarm. And you expect God to drink our lukewarm lives. Oh, I enjoy it. I relish your life. God says, no, either be cold, get out, go into the world, enjoy your life. Or be on fire for me. On fire for me. And he says, my light will shine. My life will shine. And people will have, will be able to see. Either they will hate you or they will love you. For one, you are the aroma of death. The other, you are the aroma of life. And it is that to which God is calling you. So as we close the final words for today, Numbers 8, 1 to 4. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to Aaron and say to him, when you arrange the lamps, the seven lamps shall give light in front of the lampstand. You see, Christian, faith walk is always forward. In faith you never go back. You never go back. In the world you may go back. In the, in the walk of faith it's always forward, ongoing with God. And you need light in the front. You don't need light in the back. As far as the back is concerned, you should have peace. It's a closed chapter. It is it. As far as the east is from the west, I have taken your transgression. I have sunk into the lowest part. I don't need light in my back. I need light in the front. As far as my past is concerned, you need to have peace. We have peace. Yesterday we looked peace with God and in grace I stand. I need light for today. And when I look forward, what do I see? Even more light. Why? I see glory. Hope of glory. Okay, it's not darkness. When you arrange the lamp, you light in front of the lampstand. Verse 3, and Aaron did so. He arranged the lamps to face towards the front of the lampstand, so the Lord commanded Moses. Now this workmanship of the lampstand was hammered gold from its shaft to its flowers, and according to the pattern which the Lord had shown Moses, so he made the lampstand. You cannot make your life or your lampstand according to your pattern. You cannot. It has to be the pattern God showed Moses on the mountain. But one greater than Moses has come. That is the pattern. Peter will say, he has showed us a way. He's our pattern. The Holy Spirit is not changing anybody into any other pattern. Holy Spirit has only one pattern. It is Jesus Christ. We are being transformed from glory to glory into his image. Everyone who is predestined is being conformed to his image. And we cannot have any other pattern. No other pattern. It is God will not accept any other pattern. There's only one pattern. And that is Jesus Christ. And that's why it is important. In our personal life, in our church life, everywhere. I'll just close with that two words. First Corinthians chapter 14, verse 32, 33, and then 40. The spirit of the prophets are subject to the prophets. For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all churches of saints. He says, there's no confusion. A saint should not be confused. Should not be confused. Because God is a God of peace, and peace comes out of order. In verse 40, let all things be done decently and in order. There's an order in God's house. I am the temple. That's what he's saying. You saw that? In that order, everything should be. It doesn't happen in one day, but you're working towards the divine order in our personal life and the body. 
we may be a believer sitting in hyderabad another believer may be in alaska another one in south africa another one in australia one in middle east they don't know each other but if they are submitted to the word of god and the spirit of god in all this life the same order is being worked in the twinkling of an eye this will become the church and he will take them then they will all know each other know each other so none of these things matter how far you are where you are these things don't matter the question is do we have light do we have light that's the whole idea of the lamp do we have light because in the holy place there is no light from outside and in the new covenant unlike the old covenant the division has been taken away there is no separation so let everything be done in order okay so we shall pray and we close and we will have q and a tomorrow i'm sorry today evening and tomorrow for church if you already haven't given your names it's already full Okay, we are already full for tomorrow. There is no space for anybody else. I mean, I'm saying the ones who already gave last week, their names are already there, and plus a couple of people who couldn't make it last week because I said no room, so they also have been added, and uh, some of you will have to sit, of course, down. Okay, so if you come tomorrow without inquiry, I'll put you in the front. I'll make you sit down. That's okay. We are Indians. We are used to sitting on the ground. Yeah. It's better to sit in ground before the Lord now than to be grounded in heaven. Are we ready? Shall we pray? Father, we just thank you. We just praise you. We just worship you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. We thank you for today. We just thank you, Father. You called us not to be anything which we can do by ourselves. Everything you are asking, showing, everything can be done only by and through your spirit. What you're asking from us is surrender. Surrender to your word and surrender to your spirit one day at a time. It is not by might, it's not by power. It is by your Holy Spirit this work will be done. The capstone was put by your Holy Spirit through your son. The foundation stone, the cornerstone, the capstone also will be done. With shouts of grace, grace to it, Lord. And this mountain of flesh will disappear one day. It will disappear. But Father, we have to see that mountain becoming smaller and smaller and smaller as we go through life. The flesh dictates very little. It has less control over us. Help us, Lord. Help us to see. And when we see, and our our primary battle is with the flesh, not just with powers of darkness. That is secondary. We have to win our battle with the flesh. We will win the battle with the powers of darkness. Because they have no access to us other than through the flesh. Because the fleshly carnal mind is in enmity with God. Help us to see, Lord. There is no other way. Because your word says through Peter that he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. Help us to see, Lord. Help us to see that light. Let our soul not be dark. That you are not even able to speak to us. That the illumination that we have is carnal and not spiritual. <coughs> Show us, Lord. Let us not just keep drifting. Just not be mechanically perfect like the church in Ephesus. Or completely blind like Laodicea. Help us to be like Philadelphia. Weak yet strong. Powerless yet powerful. Poor yet rich. 
And you kept the door open for them that no man could shut. Help us to see our own lives in the light of your word, Lord. For in him was life, and that life was the light of men. If our lives are not shining to a perishing world, it's because we are living our lives, not your life. Paul's life is still shining till today in every corner of the world because he found the secret. The life that I live now, I live by faith. The faith of the Son of God. For I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. That's a secret, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you. I speak healing. I speak peace. I speak your strength into everyone who is listening, Lord, here and everywhere. Protect us, bless us, and keep us close to you, Lord. Teach us to walk with you. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.